A Buddhist went up to a hot dog vendor and said, Give me one with everything. And after the Buddhist received her lunch, she handed the vendor a $20 bill. She waited. And she waited. And she waited. The final she had a patient said, um, where's my change? The hot dog vendor smiled and said, Change comes from within. <laughs> change. The far in today's lesson from Luke 12 had a lot of the shiny kind, but not enough of the most important kind. And this little story about a farmer and his barns is a parable. Tell your neighbor the word parable. Say parable. As most of you know, probably, Jesus often taught in parables. Stories told to communicate spiritual and moral truths. And it's important for you to understand that this particular parable that Jesus tells is given in response to a question. Jesus has been teaching. Who's present? Who's there when Jesus is teaching? Disciples. But in this case, there's also a crowd of people. This is a public setting, not a private one. And as Jesus is teaching, this guy sort of interrupts and asks Jesus the question we heard in verse 13. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Does Jesus pull on his judge's robe, take out his gavel, and render a judgment? No. He doesn't at all. Instead, Jesus says some words that have made a lot of people squirm for a lot of centuries, including our own. He says, Friend, who set me to be a judge and arbiter over you? Take care. Here's the squirming words. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Squirming yet? And then Jesus tells this parable about a farmer and his barns. But you know, what's the problem here? This farmer seems like... A pretty reasonable guy, isn't it? Uh, why is he through his hard work and through some good fortune? Uh, his crops have produced an abundance. And so he wants to save his investment. So he's going to build bigger farms. He wants to enjoy the fruits of his labor. Isn't this the American dream? Maybe. The farmer's problem is not that he could work hard and had a big problem. The farmer's problem is not that he wants to save some of his earnings. The farmer's problem is even that he wants to enjoy some of the fruits of his labor. Have you figured out what his problem is? Let's listen to the parable again. You could read along if you want in your bulletin, but this time as you listen to the little parable, see if you can catch what the farmer's problem is. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. He thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. 
And he says, I will do this. I will pull down my farms and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you will be able to goods later for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And then Jesus adds this little line at the end. So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. So, have you figured out the farmer's problem yet? Let's bring in some interpretive reinforcement. So, the Reverend Dr. David Lewis is a pastor and scholar, and he gives us these insights about this passage. Quote, Notice the farmer's consistent focus throughout the conversation he has with himself. What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he says, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods, and I will say to my soul. The relentless use of the first person pronouns, I and my, betray preoccupation with self. There's no thought to use in the abundance to help others. No expression of gratitude for his good fortune. No recognition of God at all. The farmer has fallen prey to worshiping the most popular of gods, the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. End of quote. So, have you figured out the farmer's problem? To put it in Jesus' words, he was not rich toward God. Rich for God? What does that mean? Well, it certainly does not only mean giving generously to the church. It does not only mean giving generously to the church. Our sixth mark of discipleship in our congregational rule of life is give generously. Let's say that together. Give generously. And certainly that involves giving one's time and talent and treasure to the church. That's just a part of it. Giving generously, stewardship, Christian financial responsibility involves managing all that you have, all that you possess, in a way that blesses others. All that you have, in a way that blesses others. Scoring that. And now for a very bad joke. So a student is checking out college campuses and is being taken on a tour uh, by this tour guide. And the student sees one building that says Hemingway Hall. Well, that's nice. That, that's named after Ernest Hemingway. And the tour guide says, Now it's named after Jackson Hemingway. Was he a writer? Yes. He wrote a big check. Now, big checks and little checks can and do make a difference. But here's the thing. Money, while it can bless, can also possess. Money, while it can bless, it can also possess. Let's say that together. Money, while it can bless, can also possess. It doesn't matter whether you have a lot of money or no money, whether you have a lot of stuff or very little stuff, it can possess you. It can play your thoughts 
It can make you very anxious. Anyone here ever been anxious about money? Say amen. Amen. Can it distract you from the one thing? Yes. Can it distract you from being rich toward God and neighbor? Yes. Can it deceive you into thinking that just one more purchase, one more pair of shoes, one more pair of one more whatever, and then you will have arrived? Yes. Yes. Can do all of those things. Now, of course, possessions can appropriately be enjoyed and be used to bless others. But always hold your possessions lightly so that they don't hold you tightly. Change. The farmer in today's lesson from Luke 12 had a lot of the shiny kind, the money. But he did not have much of the most important kind. His life was required of him. It was over. There was no time for him to change and to become rich toward God and neighbor. What about you? The events in El Paso and Dayton all the rest should make this question come into sharp relief for you, for all of us. Have you been invested in the true treasures of life? Remember, Jesus makes it very clear. One's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So, what is the abundance of life? What are the true treasures? Relationship with God, relationship with people. And so you have, if you have not been taking the portfolio of your life investment and giving the lion's share of it to the things that really matter, well then, with myself, change now. Change now. Admit, hey, I've been off course. And reinvest your time, talent, and treasure in the things that will last, the things that have deep meaning. Now, if you think you've been doing pretty well, if you think, hey, yeah, I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I've been investing in two treasures, and I don't think you've been doing pretty well, not perfectly, and no one dares to raise their hand. Well, here's the moment of truth. If you think you've been doing pretty well or not, consult with the people in your life. This afternoon, this week, it's a good spirit for homework. Consult with the people in your life. Your friends? Your significant other, your children, your parents, your family members, and ask them, be honest, and hey, am I living my life well? Am I investing in the true treasures? What do you think will save you? Take their advice and their words as seriously as you would a trusted financial advisor. And I was afraid to talk to me, your spiritual advice. Because isn't it better, or wouldn't it be better, to discover the poor state of your life's investment now? Well, you still have time to change. Change the help of God and God's people. Rather than getting to the end of your life, which who knows when that will be, getting to the end of your life like this farmer in the parable, and discovering that you've been a fool.